everyone. Welcome to another episode of Content Void. Uh, my name's Alex. And I'm Leah. And today we are talking about Stranger Things. Everyone knows what Stranger Things is. It has been so successful since the first season launched back in 2016. And not unlike the Squid Games uniform in 2021, uh, I think everyone will remember that Eleven's nosebleed and the hospital gown were very much on vogue for Halloween that year. It's fair to say that ever since then, fans have eagerly awaited each new season. And the first chapter of season four is out now. Personally, I think it's the best, but don't just take my word for it. Netflix announced that in its premiere weekend, it went to number one in 83 countries. Wow. Biggest premiere weekend ever for an English language TV show on Netflix with, this is absolutely bonkers, 286.79 million hours viewed globally. That is crazy. I mean, I know that Netflix is big, but yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? That is crazy. Yeah, so so we're assuming that you've all seen it. Um, and if you haven't, don't listen to this because there are going to be a lot of spoilers. So today we're going to review the first chapter of season one. We might mention things that you missed and we'll theorise about what we think is going to happen in chapter two, the finale. So Leah, do you want to give everyone a quick summary of what's kind of happened so far? Yeah, so um, season four essentially picks up from where season three ended. Um, I would say maybe, I don't know, a year has passed. Um, at, at the most really and um, the gang has been separated um, Joyce, Jonathan, Will and Eleven all moved to California um, and that also meant that Eleven and Mike are no longer, um, you know, just close together and they have a long distance relationship similar to Jonathan and Nancy, who are all back in Hawkins. And to be honest, I don't even know why Joyce waited three seasons to move away from (laughs) Hawkins, because if that happened to my son, season one, I would have been out. Would you genuinely stay living in that house after all of the stuff grew on the walls and the lights twinkling and like, I would never have slept in that house again. I know. I mean, usually if there's a big spider, I'm considering burning down the house. So I'm not sure how they thought, you know what, let's give it another another year and another year and um, and then see how that goes. But yeah, um, maybe it's the house prices. Who knows? Essentially, we see... Um, we see them in California and their life. Um, they have sort of settled in, but um, as kind of maybe predictable, Eleven doesn't really fit in in school um, and gets quite mercilessly bullied by the popular kids, um, which is a shame. And um, But the one thing that keeps her going really is that Mike is set to visit them in California. So that's kind of like really kind of keeps it going. Um, meanwhile, we are in Hawkins with the rest of the gang. So there's Mike Dustin, who joined uh, the Hellfire Club, which is the Dungeons and Dragons club um, or campaign. I think that's what they call it. Um, if you don't know what Dungeons and Dragons are, you should really by now, because that's what they've been playing since season one is a role playing game. And um, in that club, they have a few kind of older high school kids um, in there, including a metalhead called Eddie. Meanwhile, we have Max, who's sort of distanced herself from everyone else. Um, she's seeing the school counsellor because she lost Billy, of course, in season three. And, um, you know, that was quite a traumatic um, experience. And not really being able to tell the counsellor what actually happened um, can't really you know, be helping. Also, um, I don't know if people remember, but Eleven and Max were really, really close. So I think losing sort of like her best friend, as well as her stepbrother in this traumatic way, definitely um, kind of 
impacted her. Lucas, meanwhile, has joined the basketball team and is trying to distance himself from Dustin and Mike because he wants to be, you know, fitting in with the jocks and be cool and be liked, which is fair enough. And then we have the last part of um, the story, which is in Russia, because lo and behold, Hopper is alive. And we all sort of knew, we all sort of knew, or we at least we hoped um, we hoped he was alive. Um, so he was captured by the Russians after he survived a season three and um, is now in some sort of gulag. And um, essentially, the guard in the gulag tries to get in touch with um, Joyce um, to get some money um, to free him, essentially, kind of like a ransom sort of thing. And um, Joyce and Murray um, both kind of go on a mission to kind of save Hopper. So that's kind of where we are now. And I kind of, I guess uh, what's really interesting here is um, we've never had this before. We never had several different kind of storylines. Usually they were all one place all together. And it's kind of interesting to see how that kind of develops um, separately as well. I really enjoyed that, actually. I felt that, you know, we're on season four and every season something has happened in Hawkins and the kids have clubbed together and they've saved the day. And one of the things that I quite liked about it was the hopelessness of Russia. Mm. Just how on earth is Hopper going to get out of this situation? And also just to jump back, that bullying storyline was horrendous. And it really just sets the scene for quite a miserable time all round, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, when we kind of think about, you know, who's the who's the season's baddie, really, because we had the mind flayer, we had demogorgons and everything else. Um, it comes very, it's very apparent, I think, from episode one, really, that there's something going on again in Hawkins. Um, there's this cheerleader called Chrissy. She's having visions and there's some sort of like evil spirit, I guess, um, trying to kind of attack her. We don't really see anyone. We just hear things. And she has these visions of um, what, it look, what it looks like the upside down, really. Unfortunately, she gets killed um, in a pretty horrific way. Um, I was quite surprised when that happened um, because even though like Stranger Things has always been quite like, you know, you know, if you're into sort of like demons and everything else, um, it's a little spooky, but it's never been quite so, I don't know, shocking, I guess, um, as when I saw Chrissy floating in the air and all of her limbs getting crushed in all sorts of angles and it's the sound that really got to me it was very horror film yeah <laughs> it's quite visceral for sure very very visceral and um so eddie is uh, with her in in the caravan because i think she just wanted to buy some drugs of him um because she just wanted to get away from these visions she was getting eddie of course is blamed for her death um not officially straight away but um chris's boyfriend who is um you know the school's jock, the basketball player, um, extraordinaire. Um, he thinks straight away that Eddie must have done it because he's the weirdo. He listens to metal. So therefore equals, you know, he must have done it. And um, one thing that I found really interesting watching it is um, the parallels, this kind of, I guess, theme around sort of satanic rituals and stuff had with real life because, um, we're in the 80s and in America in that time, um, there was this, like moral panic that people still call the satanic panic. There was this book published um, about a woman who recounts this ritualistic abuse uh, in a Satanist cult. This book is called Michelle Remembers and that really kicked off this moral panic in America where everyone thought loads of people are in Satanist cults and they're sacrificing children or whatever else. That book has been highly contested and challenged and 
definitely doesn't stand up to anything. But um, it's one of these like bestsellers that was like, um, you know, I think it was between her and her therapist that just released it. And it kind of kicked it all off. Um, if you just want to kind of learn more about it, there's this brilliant podcast called um, You're Wrong About that talk that talk about satanic panic and Michelle remembers in in very detailed way, in a really great way, and kind of explains this a little bit. But um, what made me think about it is that kind of jump straight onto the Hellfire Club title. And I think, oh, it must be like, you know, so dark. And, you know, of course, um, you know, only a sicko like Eddie would um, would kill Chrissy mm. in that way. And um, it's kind of, you know, the other thing that uh, I thought were parallels to real life is the character of Eddie. Um, so he is that kind of, you know, he's still a high schooler, even though I think he repeated several years. He's literally in his 20s, I think. Yeah. I mean, he looked kind yeah. of in his 30s. <laughs> he looks worn out if he's yeah. meant to be yeah. 16, 17. Yeah. And, and so like he, um, you know, he's, it's that kind of weirdo kind of reminds me a bit of Bender from Breakfast Club, you know, so, you know, you know, stick it to the man type of um, mm. person, but also you kind of see glimpses of him being a decent person as well underneath it all, underneath all the bravado. And, um, what I found really similar with his character was, um, I don't know if you heard about the West Memphis Three case that would happen sort of like in the early 90s where um, in real life so, um, three boys were found killed and you know they thought it was must have been a Satanist cult who killed the, um, the three boys and then of course um, the you know the people who are blamed were three teenagers because they listened to metal they listened to like Ozzy Osbourne and stuff mm. and of course it must have been them so they went to prison um, with very very little evidence it's just you know the entire village or town were, were kind of against them and there was a lot of pressure to do something about it because it was quite a horrific murder and in the end um, you know when I say in the end after 18 years they finally got released on a plea bargain so it wasn't that they were absolved and and, um, you know, it's just that they realized that the evidence was just not strong enough. There were lots of like a miscarriage of justice or something like that. But anyway, they they left prison after 18 years. It's just crazy to think that they were in prison that long. And they, they lost. I mean, they were like, I think the youngest might have been 15, mm. the 16 or 17. And um, they lost their entire youth yeah, um, to prison. Yeah. And um, the main uh, boy in this kind of like sorry, the teenager was Damien. And um, if you watch the West Memphis 3 documentary on, I think um, I watched one on Netflix. It has all the details of it. And if you're interested, watch it. But I, I kind of thought this character is very similar to this um, Damien person in real life. And um, when I was researching for this episode, actually Damien was an inspiration for Eddie's character, which I thought was really interesting. And um, I think, you know, Stranger Things is the kind of sum of so many different themes, films and inspirations all across pop culture. I don't know if, if you felt it, especially for the season as well. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the one thing that they've always done really well is to capture the time, you know, capture the energy of the time. Mm. And I'm saying this as someone who was born in 84 and you were born in 86, so we can't remember it, but there's that sense, isn't there? And I just wanted to um, bring something up, which I think is quite interesting. So with the satanic panic, you know, alongside that in this period in America, you've also got the kind of evangelical Christian movements and the way that uh, Chrissy's boyfriend stands up and gives that rousing speech 
in front of the police. You know, who's behind me? You know, we've got to find this. It really it has echoes of, yes. of that kind of thing as well, which is really clever from the writer's point of view that they've just got all of these different elements and brought them all together. Um, and with you saying, you know, that it references a lot of different things from pop culture and things that were happening at the time. If you think about the writers who are probably maybe um, not quite the generation above us, but somewhere between in terms of age, then all of this stuff was happening during their actual youth. So it, it makes sense that that influences their writing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd, I'd imagine they grew up watching horror films um, and that's mm. a huge inspiration from season one because even when I first started watching Stranger Things and the kind of like the title, like the theme comes up, I knew exactly what I was yeah. about to watch. Um, it has like that most nostalgia um to it and it's that kind of like typical kids on it on their bikes solving mysteries that's my favorite theme mm-hmm. i think for everything and um but for this one i feel more than any other there's so much reference to um horror films for me very very strongly carrie especially with the way 11 has these power or had the powers and um and getting mostly bullied by um the popular kids and her kind of freaking out and trying to like you know use her powers which are not there mm. i know so she tries to use her powers and doesn't work so she ends up just um you know taking the skate um off someone and hitting <laughs> smacking someone around the face with her. <laughs> Oh my God. <clears throat> Skate to the face. It, you know, you can see why it was pretty horrible and um, quite triggering because um, the way she was bullied was just, mm. it's just so humiliating as well. Horrible. Um, but like, you know, there's other films um, that have been referenced, I guess, since um, season one, like The Evil Dead. Uh, the trees snaking around you, um, the upside down definitely looks like mm. that. And the other thing I thought was um, really clever is, uh, you know, when when people are being vecnered, uh, is what I call it, um, <laughs> and they're kind of having these visions, they are in a state of sleep. So I thought it was very similar to, similar to like Nightmare on Elm Street, where you are in a dream state and then Freddy Krueger comes out and kills you in your sleep, which is funny because Freddy Krueger's like, um, you know, the, the real life actor, Robert England, has a cameo in Stranger Things. If you have missed it, he is um, Victor Creel, um, the guy in prison. And if you have not noticed, that's Freddy Krueger. He played Freddy Krueger. So it was kind of really nice to see a little cameo there and a little nod to that as well. Full circle. I think the Duffer brothers also mentioned that they really um, took inspiration, especially f- like for this kind of Vecna stuff, uh, Stephen King's It. And I can kind of see it, you know, there's this like voice um, that kind of singles you out and lures you into something. And it's like only attacking the children as well. And it is like, it's something that has been traumatizing me since I first watched it. Um, I, I don't know how old I was. I was way too young to watch it. <laughs> and I remember uh, watching it. I think I recorded it on VHS back in the day. And it was just so scary and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why I'm scared of clowns a little bit but yeah that's it's 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 really nice to see all this inspiration as a horror fan yeah um, to kind of see that um brought to life again in Stranger Things it is a real horror season because you think about the previous seasons were always scary but I feel that there is something truly yeah horrifying about this current season because of the, you know, the cracking of the bones and the flashbacks that Elle's having to, you know, all of the similar cracking of of the bones of the children at the lab. And uh, it's definitely 
quite gruesome, isn't it, in places? I totally agree with everything you've said. And clearly, you know loads more about horror uh, films than I do, because although I love watching them, you are a proper fan and there's some really interesting bits in there. So I had no idea that the Victor Creel character was the guy who played Freddy Krueger. Uh, so I feel like I need to go back and have another look at him now. And and how did you recognize him with his eyes all mankified? I, yeah, I think because he's, um, he's been in like a few other things um, before. And also I can't take all the credit because um, Martin watched it with me and he is, well, he, he dubs himself super recognizer. So he recognizes literally like one person I'm like, He's like, oh, that person was in this one scene for three seconds in the background. And he's right. He's like amazing at it. So he was the first person <laughs> to be like, oh my God, it's Freddy Krueger. And I was like, oh yeah, it is Freddy Krueger. But <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, he does a lot of like kind of scary cameos as well, because mm. when, when if you know, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I agree with you. The theme for this season has very much been horror. It feels that although the past seasons have been scary, this one has some real gruesome stuff in it. So like you mentioned earlier, the cracking of the bones of the the kids that get killed by Vecna, the flashbacks to Elle having those fight scenes and then ultimately killing the the kids in the lab and, and everything that happens there with one, which we haven't actually touched on yet. It's got that real kind of creepier, more grown-up vibe. And it definitely feels like the characters have matured along with yeah. it as well. So we need to talk about our theory, don't we, for chapter two. So the thing that's really exciting is that chapter two is essentially going to be made up of just two episodes, two big episodes, almost film length. So actually, apparently, this, the finale is going to be a two and a half hour episode. So wow, that's basically a film. Yeah, absolutely is a film. Yeah, I, I can't wait. So we thought it would be quite fun to to share our theories about what's going to happen. Now, we know that the Duffer brothers have confirmed a season five and that that will be the final season. Do you want to go first and say what you think is going to happen in chapter two? Yes. So I have um, this theory just because um, it's now the end of season four. There's only one season left. Um, and we haven't really, apart from Barb, we haven't really seen many of the core people die. So my uh, my theory, and this is kind of out there, there's no reason why I think that, is that Vecna will somehow succeed in, I guess, you know, exiting the the upside down and coming to the real life and trying to kind of, you know, have the power over the world or whatever it is. Um, I think there's going to be definitely a showdown between Eleven and Vecna because, of course, um, that's what happened in the lab back in the day. And Eleven won because, you know, she used love to kind of harness her power. She will, of course, regain her powers in the lab and they're going to have a, have a showdown. I've got to find. I think, though, that Eleven is probably going to be killed in season four, in the last, um, in, in the in chapter two, or Mike. I feel like it's either going to be Eleven or Mike, kind of um, someone who's really, really important and integral to maybe the plot. I feel like that is going to give everyone kind of the hopelessness um, of like, what are they going to do? They lost Eleven. What, you know, what, what can they do really to defeat Vecna? Mm. And um, I think either, and I really hope it's not going to happen, either it's going to finish on a cliffhanger, kind of where we think, I have no idea how they're going to continue um, with that 11, or they're going to kind of tease the fact that, and this sounds really crazy, but um, that they are going to use some sort of 
time travel to go back in time. It doesn't really sound doesn't really sound crazy when you think about like, you know, gates and portals and upside down. Yeah. And, and to be honest, um, the reason I think of time travel is because of several things. There's a clock. There is um, when um, one was um, a little boy and he had these kind of powers naturally. So creepy. He, um, he kind of like changed the clock and he went backwards and stuff. And there's a lot of clocks in the season. And I kind of think there must be a reason why we kind of see that. And it must be somehow that um, maybe they can travel back. Maybe it was Dustin because he always comes up with the with, with the ideas on how to fix things. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to come up with like, right, if we do this, use the portals or something, they somehow will travel back in time and I think what's going to happen is um, maybe in season maybe in season four and five that um, they are going to undo something in the past which means though that Eleven might not end up in the lab at all because we have seen a lot more of um, her mother kind of trying to you know get her when she when she's younger and stuff so I think they have to make a decision and sacrificing the knowledge of what happened just to kind of undo what has happened and bring Eleven back to life which you won't know who the gang are and they won't know who she is and I think that will wrap up Stranger Things season five quite nicely because then it just means that you know everything's fine you know people are alive maybe Barb will return it resets it back to the summer in Hawkins all the kids having a great time yes exactly it so I don't really know how it's going to play out um, (laughs) but that's kind of my theory so I like some of it um, especially with the clocks, because I don't know if you noticed this. I said this to Dave and he was like, nah, you know, the tick tock, tick tock when the clock appears, mm. I am 99% sure that there is a vocal saying the words tick tock over the, the clock sound. Right. And the more I thought, yeah, it's definitely, I can hear the words. I think that they've kind of made that and it's, and it's made, you know, it's the, it's one saying it. I don't know. Mm. So I also think that a big character will be killed off. Maybe two. I think it's going to be Steve. No, not Steve. I love Steve. I love Steve. You know, we almost saw it happening um, in the Upside Down with the bat, those bat things yeah. kind of eating at him. Um, and he's always just been such a lovable character. He's always protected the kids and the kids have now grown up. And I've just got this feeling that, that he's going to go. But I agree either way. Um, it's going to be shock. It's got to be shocking. And, you know, this huge, they've built this up. They've split the season into two chapters. I think that someone is going to go. However, I I don't know. I don't, I don't like the idea of them kind of waking up like it was a dream or that everything's been reset. I know. So I think Hopper and Joyce will come back to Hawkins. Nancy and Jonathan will break up and go their separate ways and life will just kind of resume. Q season five. Obviously, all hell will break loose again. And there, I think there's going to be some kind of war. So it takes it beyond Hawkins again, because we've seen that they've started, you know, they're in Russia, they're in California. I don't think that this whole why the Russians have got, they're training the Demogorgon by kind of feeding the prisoners to it. I don't think that that's massively clear. Like, how did they get it to Russia? Like, how are they still involved? What's going on there? And also the whole torture element. Would they have genuinely, and I know how this sounds because this is a completely fantastical program, but would they genuinely in the 80s, late 80s, have been able to torture an American that way? And also the American army torturing the the guys that were protecting Elle? I don't know. 
I think that we're going to see something big, like a very different focus from the kids, but in line with that kind of more grown up feel. So yeah, maybe something around Russia and America and Demogorgons and they're working together. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be like end game, the end game for Stranger Things. Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, another thing that the Duffer brothers have kind of hinted at and are quite well known for doing is spin-offs. Um, and I feel like, you know, this this Russian storyline could be quite a good spin-off where it's not exactly the same as the Stranger Things that we're used to. It's this slightly newer storyline. And I wonder if they might focus on Hopper and what Rabbit Warren that could take us down. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel like there's not enough time to expand the Russian storyline, but I, I agree. I think it would make good fodder for a spin-off um, show just to kind of see what is going on there. Because um, I don't feel like everything will be resolved in in one and a half seasons of Stranger Things. But yeah, um, I think... Um, I think there's some mix between our theories is probably going to be um, what's going to happen or nothing at all. I mean, <laughs> completely wrong. And it's just everything is just um, uh, one thing I just um, I wanted to bring up that I kind of forgot and I remembered is the counsellor who I find really sus. Um, she was the counsellor for Chrissy, for Max and countless other students. But don't you have this feeling when you watched her that she's not a normal character? Yes. I had this really weird feeling, you know, when people linger a bit too much on a person and you think, well, what's the point? Because that's just meant to be a counsellor. And she wears a little clock around as, as a necklace. Um, around yes, neck. you are so right. Um, so I don't know whether that's kind of like a Vecna-esque, I don't know, demon or something. Maybe she's Vecna's wife. Maybe she's, oh, like um, Bride of Frankenstein kind of thing. Like maybe. Mm. Are there any numbers missing? So obviously one wasn't there and then we work out that he's he's Vecna. And by the way, I called it. I called it early on that he was the the guy that was chatting to to Elle in the lab. But I wonder, that's oh, you see, you're all over this shit. <laughs> I didn't even notice the clock necklace. Yeah, you're right. Because she was also counseling the the little journalist lad who also had a horrible ending. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like there's there's definitely a connection and the counsellor is the connector. And I think, how does Vector know who to target? Because mm. it has to be someone with doubt. And who would know better than a counsellor with all the worries yes. of, of the students in, in Hawkins? So you've, sm you've smashed it out of the park. I didn't even think about that. Um, I'm hoping something was going to come out of that. Otherwise, it, it might be just a complete <laughs> red herring, nothing to do with anything. But um, chapter two is out on the 1st of July and we cannot wait. Um, let's see if any of our predictions are right. I really hope at least one thing is right and I hope it's not Steve being killed. I was literally about to say that. I love Steve. No, it won't be. No. I think it will be Steve, but you know, we'll have, we'll shed a tear. Yes. But he'll go, he'll go valiantly protecting them. I think yeah. we could have talked about this for hours, but as usual, I'm saying as usual, it's only episode two, but I feel like this is going to be the usual situation is that we have so much to say that we've run out of time. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our predictions. We'd love to hear your predictions. So 
join the conversation with us on Twitter. We are at Content Void Pod or use the hashtag Content Void and we will find you. Uh, get ready for this one, Leah. It's uh, a banging end to this episode. So do you agree with us or are we running up the wrong hill? Oh my God. I wished you sang that. Um, no, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> That's a patron episode. Would have- yes, I will do a... No, no, I won't. No, I won't. So let's just move on from that. So... Don't forget to subscribe uh, wherever you listen to be notified when our next episode drops. And if you can't wait, head to Patreon slash Content Void for access to bonus episodes, which may or may not include me singing Kate Bush. Until next time. Goodbye.